Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring comedians Willie Howard and Henry Morgan, plus a tribute to John J. Anthony. the 30s, 40s, and into the 50s, one program captured the interest of listeners all over America. The program was the Goodwill Hour, and at one time it was heard every week on over 700 stations from coast to coast. In the history of radio, no other regularly scheduled program has been broadcast on as many stations. John J. Anthony was the moderator of the Goodwill Hour, and he would sit and comment while people told him of their problems. Here's an excerpt from the 1930s. The first case Mr. Anthony will hear is that of Mr. R.P. Mr. Anthony, I'm 20 year, 21 years of age and care for a young lady who is several years older than I am. How many years older? She is eight years older than I am. The family has voiced, they object to this girl very much, and I, I find that without her, I uh, really am not very happy. And what I would like to know is whether I should continue relationship with her or not. I see. How much do you earn? Well, my earning capacity is sufficient to support myself. And just how much is that? Approximately $20 a week. Well, I'm going to agree with your father for once. I seldom agree with fathers and mothers when it comes to interfering in the private lives of their children. But in this particular instance, I believe that your father is justified. This young woman is eight years your senior. At 28, a young woman is a real woman. At 21, a young man can hardly be called a real man. In the full, just a moment, in the full sense of the word. At 21, there are very few men that have their lives mapped out so completely that they know just where they're going to be and what they're going to do within three, four, or five years. Now, why? Why, from a logical standpoint, should you, at the age of 20 or 21, burden yourself with a love affair, with a woman eight years your senior, when the most important thing at this moment in your life should be how and where will I be within the next five or six years? When do you believe a man reaches his prime in life? Well, I don't believe it can be definitely determined by age. Approximately. When do you expect to reach your full development uh, mentally? Some people never reach it. Now, you do, want, do you want to evade the question? Or no, don't I don't wish to I'm evade the question. In general, it's uh, reached at the age of approximately 22 or 23. I see. Well, all right. Let me correct you then, please. There are a few men that really achieve their lives' ambition before the age of 40. Now, that should hold true in your case as well as in every other man's life. Now, at the age when you'll be 40, your wife will be 48. Uh, ten years after that, your wife will be 58, and you will be in the prime of your life at 50. Will you not? You think your wife will be in her prime at 58? I don't think so. Then why do you want to start something now that will bring you anguish later on? 
Possibly it won't bring anguish later on. That All right, young man, we're, we're not going to quarrel about that. I know that you came up here for an opinion. Yes. My opinion is that you have no business at this age going with a woman eight years your senior, and in fact, you have no right doing that even five or six years from today. That's my opinion. John J. Anthony was scheduled to be our guest for this program, but on July 17th, while visiting in San Francisco, he suddenly passed away. Mr. Anthony was a kind, gentle person, and in several interviews that I had with him, he retraced many of the interesting happenings during his more than 35 years in radio. He also told me how his Goodwill Hour program got started. Frank, the, the truth of the matter is that the, uh, it would hardly be a romantic thing. Most people would think it's a romantic thing, a very exciting thing. I was doing the same thing in private practice. When somebody came into my office one day and he said, how would you like to do this in radio? And uh, being young enough and brash enough, I said, why, certainly, when do we start? <laughs> he said, next week. That was it. And I did it the following week, and I haven't been off since. Mm -hmm. It's actually how it happened. Uh, you know, now that, now that you reminded me of it, I recall it, two things happened to me. Well, the, the first time I walked in to do... Uh, the radio show, I uh, developed a psychological laryngitis. I wasn't able to say one word, and I know that the, um, the person who wanted to listen to the uh, audition must have said, who brought this man in here? Why, he can't even speak. Um, so we had to postpone it, of course, and they never wanted me back again, so we had to go to <laughs> another studio, and uh, that was for the following week. And I had no conception as to the formula of the show. I didn't have any idea as to how it was going to be run. And the owner of the station sat in the control room. And he said, all right, uh, Mr. Anthony, you'll be on for 15 minutes. I said, fine. So uh, we went on, and uh, we had people presenting problems. The format was practically the same all through the years. And at the end of 15 minutes, he gave me a signal to keep going. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, I just kept going. At the end of 30 minutes, he gave me another signal. He said, keep going. At the end of 45 minutes, he said the same thing. Well, I didn't know if I was ever going to get out of there. Well, at the end of 60 minutes, he said, cut. And that set the formula for the show. It was a 60-minute show, and from that time on, we were on the air for an hour a week. That's actually how it happened. The Goodwill Hour was so popular that most of the comedians and comedy shows at one time or another did a parody of his program. Here's what Mr. Anthony told me when I asked him how he felt when he was taken to task by the satirists. Oh, I used to love it. I used to love it, and I used to listen to them. Um, every competent uh, uh, performer did a parody, did an Anthony parody. I can think of, uh, uh, not alone Henry Morgan and Zero Marstell, for example, before he was as great a name in, in, in the business. Um, I'll never forget this. He opened up at, I think it was the Blue Angel, a nightclub in New York, and he was going to base his whole act around an Anthony parody, and he, he, he called me and said, would you please come and listen? I said, well, sir, I'd be delighted to come. He, he felt that I might take offense, but mm -hmm. I didn't. Uh, I loved listening to this man who was a, a, a consummate artist, and he did a beautiful job. I remember Willie Howard doing a magnificent takeoff. Uh, oh, every comic. It, it got to the point, Frank, where I made an appearance at the, I think it was the National Theater in Washington, D.C. Maybe the name of the theater is wrong, but I know it was Washington, D.C. I, I appeared there to uh, 
I think it was a benefit performance. And as I walked backstage, I looked at the bulletin board, and I don't know what caused me to look at the bulletin board, but there was evidently some extrasensory uh, attraction there. And I looked at the bulletin board, and lo and behold, there was a, a notice from the manager addressed to all MCs. No more Anthony gags, please. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the famous comedian, Willie Howard, satirizing the Anthony program. I'm here tonight as a great personality, radio personality, that runs the good Willie court. That guy that takes people with problems and unravels them. Not the problems, the people. <laughs> I refer to Mr. John J. Agony. So now, everybody, get their hankies out and get set for a good cry. Here is that man who hears all, sees all, and solves nothing, Mr. John J. Agony. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Here I am again to solve your problems. <laughs> what am I crying for? This doesn't hurt me a bit. Is the first case ready, Mr. Murphy? Yes, Mr. Agony. It's a married couple. Just a minute. Are these people miserable? Yes. Very miserable? Wretched. Good. Lead the miserable wretches in. <laughs> right this way, wretches. Mr. Agony, this is Mr. and Mrs. Please, no names, please. No names, and don't mention names of any towns or any cities where we were detailing before. Yes. Go ahead. What very well, very well. Mr. and Mrs. C.J., this couple have a slight difference of opinion. I'll say. Chester, you're a louse. I ain't. Yar. Ain't. Yar. Ain't. Yar. You see what I mean? Well, he is. He's a louse. Madam, behave yourself. You're a louse, too. No names, please. No names. <laughs> now, what is your, your only problem? Well, we have 18 children. 18 children? Yes. <laughs> 18? Yes. Lady, you're on the wrong program. Hobby Lobby is down the hall. <laughs> Next case, please. This is the case of Miss P.B. Come in, Miss P.U. I miss P.U. <laughs> Uh, what is your problem, Gadalia? What did you come here for? Well, I'll tell you, Mr. Anthony, I got nothing but trouble. You know what I mean? <laughs> this dame thinks I know something. <laughs> this here problem, it's about me sister. She ain't... <laughs> this is no kidding. She ain't popular with the opposite sex. You mean men? No, anybody she's opposite hates her, you know what I mean? <laughs> I finally asked her to dance the other night. Once around the floor, and he slammed her right back against the wall. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> Poor girl, I hope she was wearing bumpers. <laughs> well, I finally took pity on her and danced with her myself. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. <laughs> well, there we were, fox trotting around in front of all of them wolves. All of a sudden, we passed a couple of big guys, and I heard him say, let's break them up. And they, did they break you up? Did they? We was in the hospital for a week, you know what I mean? You know what I mean. <laughs> now, here is my problem, Mr. Ragony. When I go out at night, should I take my sister with me or leave her home behind locked doors? Well, my advice to you... <laughs> yeah? My advice to you... <laughs> leave her home behind locked doors and you stay with her. <laughs> And 
And now, Mr. Agony, the strange case of Dr. A.K. A.K.? You don't look like an A.K. <laughs> you look like a young doctor to me. Uh, what is your problem, doctor? Well, you see, Professor, I've been going around with a girl for some time. When I found out there was a possible chance for me to go to Spain without her seat because she wouldn't give me a chase my old plate, she tried to travel with my people, which is such a part of a thief that I myself realized I didn't have to grade back to Florence. Oh, I wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm in no hurry. <laughs> Talk slowly and stinkly. <laughs> right in the Mickey phone, please. Well, you see, Professor, when I started going with the girl, I had no idea that she's the one who wants the grizzly green back without my own coffee for the same, because after all, you must realize I am not the type of man who will tell a girl how to blaze back her own seam until she herself tells me about the floor. In my home, we have no way of knowing about the crow because she doesn't want to give me a chance to pass point. That's why I want to tell her to see because she wouldn't blame it not. The what? She wouldn't grade back to play because in my case, it's no problem. Well, who said that to you? <laughs> the girl did. To you? Yes, and when I confronted her with the idea, she told me I was nibbled. She said I wouldn't have to trade back any part of my own grade. After all, you must realize that if I do have to band without the cross beam, she's the one to tell you me how to grade. I want to get out the best way I know I'm taking her back on the right side. Because if she doesn't, there is no way for me to find out but the first. That's the way she has agreed, but in my case, it's no plan to play. That's the same broad. Same guy. Same guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Young man, there's something wrong with your vowels. Talk nice, but nothing comes out. <laughs> My friend, you have a very strange case. It seems to me it's your mother-in-law that's causing this trouble for you. That's right, Professor. You have no problem there, young man. Go home, young man. Go home. If you have a home someplace, please go home. <laughs> And get out of here. That's my advice to you. <laughs> what is your, your problem, well, really? Well, after all, you must understand, is a woman got the right to tell a man which is the proper trade unless she realizes what is the chrome bag? After all, she tells me about the poem. I don't want to listen to that type of a poem. I know what the thing is like to say. If you tell me that the poem, I wouldn't listen to. A poem? Yeah, she told me a poem. She recites poems? She poem? did. You want to hear it? Give me a simple. Well... <laughs> This is what she told me last night, Professor. She said, when craze are flowing because the rays don't seem back upon the stem, things will slave without the floor. <laughs> for nothing can fade until you stand for it on the tree from water. That's beautiful. You mean the poem? No, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> now, boys, I'm going to translate the recitation for you. He put his arms around her waist. Upon the lips he placed a kiss. I've sipped, said he, from many a cup, but never from a mug like this. <laughs> Goodbye, folks. Thank you, thank you, Willie Howard. That is wonderful. Mr. Anthony, did you have any objections to that parody by Willie Howard? Well, I have, certainly have no objection. As a matter of fact, I like it very much. And uh, I, I, I never took offense at any of these uh, uh, parodies because I, I think they were all done in uh, good fun. 
and uh, the the idea of uh, uh, laugh and you laugh alone, cry and you cry with Anthony, or one of those things, <laughs> um, became part of Americana. And uh, who can object to becoming part of the American scene and part of the American language? I mean, I would be less than human if if I told you that uh, these things disturbed me. They didn't disturb me. Uh, I was being made part of American folklore, and uh, I'm honest enough to admit that this was a very, very enjoyable thing to have happen to me. I imagine it would be to most anybody. Henry Morgan was another comedian who often did parodies of the Anthony program. Here's one of the funniest from 1947. Once again, we present the John J. Morgan Trouble Clinic, which helps people to get rid of the troubles they have and take on some bigger ones. So, friends, why not get into trouble in your spare time? And when you do, bring your troubles to the John J. Morgan Trouble Clinic and watch them increase under Mr. Morgan's skilled analysis. And here he is, John J. Morgan. Good evening. Our first case, sir, is the case of Mrs. D.S. You are Mrs. Diaz? Yes, sir. You were here once before, were you not? No, sir. Yes, I remember your case well. You <laughs> you were in love with three men, and I advised you to marry only one of them. No, Mr. Morgan, I... And now I suppose you want to know which one of these men to divorce. Is that right? Uh, you, you must Please have don't confused touch the microphone. with someone else. I beg your pardon? Uh, you must have me confused with someone else, huh? Come now, isn't it more likely that you have me confused with someone else? <laughs> isn't it true that in the dark recesses of your mind you're twisting and distorting the facts so as to throw the blame on another? No, sir. I've never been here before. Maybe this woman just looked like me. There wasn't the slightest resemblance. <laughs> Tell me something, madam. Are you trying to pass yourself off as someone else? Is that your little game? No. <laughs> then get on with your problem, please. Well, it started when my husband fell in love with another woman. Oh, the other woman, as old as time itself. No. No, this one was only 18. <laughs> 18. I envy you, madam. Here you are, only 18, in the springtime of life, and in love with another woman's husband. You had that mixed up, Mr. Morgan. Well, no matter. We'll straighten it out after the broadcast. <laughs> Would you go on, please? Well, uh, five years ago, he divorced me and married this girl, and they went to live in Texas. Be on your guard, madam. I believe this girl's trying to break up your home. Well, now... Yes, yes, yes. Uh, tell me now, when did you first notice that your husband had left you? Well, uh, I began noticing we weren't using so much butter. I say. Now, what is your problem, please? Well... Uh, last week I got a letter from my husband and he wants to remarry me. Uh, what is your advice? Madam, are you aware of the divorce statistics in this country? No, sir. Do you know that one out of every three divorces now ends in marriage? No, sir. 
Here you are, a legally divorced woman, and yet you'd make a muck of this sacred institution by getting married. <laughs> the promises you made to your attorney, the vows you whispered to that white-haired old judge, do they mean nothing to you? What is your advice, Mr. Morgan? Go home. Forget this madness. Count your blessings. Estimate your alimony. Balance your checkbook. That, madam, is my advice to you. And now, the case of Dr. R.T. Yes, you are Dr. R.T.? Uh, yes, sir. And what is your occupation? I am a doctor. I see. Uh, am I to understand, then, that um, you're a doctor, doctor? Yes, sir. And what is your problem? Well, it all began when I was in college. When I was a struggling young medical student, I met a struggling young student nurse. Yes, yes. Now, after you were through struggling, what happened? <laughs> well, I, 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 I fell in love with her. And in order to see her more often, I began skipping my surgery lectures. Uh, skipping your surgery lectures, I say. Am I to understand, then, you were cutting your cutting classes? Now, my problem is... Uh, just a moment, Doctor. I'll determine your problem. Now, let's, let's review as far as we've gone. Start at the beginning. Well, I am Dr. All R. right, that's enough review. We haven't all night, you know. Well, now, what is your advice, Mr. Morgan? My advice to you, Doctor, is to go to these people whom you've offended and make restitution, perform that operation and save that little child's life. <laughs> Give back that money you embezzled. Go back to the wife you've wronged. Take your mother out of that asylum. <laughs> Give back the wallet you lifted on the subway. Honk your horn in future when passing a truck. And confess to the FBI that you're spying for a foreign power. But, 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 Mr. Morgan, you haven't heard my problem. Doctor, the advice I just gave you will cover any problems that might arise during the next five years. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio and our tribute to John J. Anthony. Now here's a thought that Mr. Anthony recorded for members of the American forces around the world. I hope to see them home soon. And uh, I pray every day that the Lord will bring them home. I don't want to give people advice as to how to accomplish this, but this is a prayer, this is a hope that I would like to see develop very, very soon. Tell all of them out there, I'd much rather give them 50 performances here than one where they are now. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next time for more shows and personalities from the golden days of radio. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.